Well, for those that are uh, joining us uh, after the fact, they've been at their own church and listened to the podcast afterwards, so my mom. Uh, many of you know that today is my last Sunday as lead pastor here at Trinity Alliance Church. And as we get into our sermon today, allow me just to say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to journey with you and to learn from you for these last eight years. It has been my distinct privilege to be a part of the journey that God has put us on together as a church family and to be a part of some significant opportunities, some struggles, joys and the sorrows and everything that came between. I remember when we came we were asked, uh, are you going to have any more children? It's not a question you normally get asked in a job interview, but that kind of gave me a hint of what kind of church am I going to be a part of? What kind of church am I going to be leading? And I still came. I think that's a, a, a something about you that says there's a, uh, just something special about this community. And we've been through a lot in the last eight years. For those of you that go back that many of years, do you remember how bad the audio in the church was those first few years? That old analog audio where the power ran right beside the actual audio cables and they, they ran outside the building to get from the front to the back. And when we would do certain things, you'd hear this type noise. That happened weekly. And one of the changes that we made fairly early on was moving to a digital sound system. We did the best we could with the money that we had and look at the difference it has made over the years, especially in the pandemic when we were recording all of our services. One of the things that we were able to do, for those of you that love audio, we were able to record every person's instrument and microphone on a separate audio track simply because we had done that upgrade many years ago and then mix all of the audio together to have services live sort of when we were live streaming of course who, who, can, who can remember the outreaches that we did do you remember the trunk or treats and the kids' Christmas things, we had the Polar Express twice take over the church. We had uh, Christmas banquets and fellowships. We had kickoff things. Remember, we had a, a barbecue right outside the door. And the fatal mistake that we made was that the doors, well, the windows were open in the church. And so the barbecue smoke kept blowing in and it didn't set off any fire alarms or extinguishers or anything, but everyone was distracted because we were killing the fattened calf right outside the door here and everyone wanted to, dude, can you hurry up? Yep, we're really excited about the message in the service today, but I smell barbecue and I want that. Boy, we had a lot of fun and we had uh, just amazing times of worship and lunches. Who can remember the uh, Bless Our Community events that we had? We had the opportunity to pay off all of the student loan debt for lunches at Gates Chilai High School. And you did that. 
we gave our largest fundraising event total ever to just simply bless Foodlink this past year and help with food insecurity. And that's just the formal stuff that we've done. We've had informal times of prayer. We've had lunches together, coffee together, meals together. I think Emily, during our announcement time, mentioned that food is a good thing. We did food well, amen? Amen. Amen. But as we wrap up our time with you today, you've heard what's next. And it's going to be different. Change is hard. Change is hard when you can see it a long way off. Change is hard when you see it coming next Sunday. Next Sunday will be different. No sermon per se, but a Bible study where you'll be expected to share. Maybe do some homework. You thought you had it easy when I was here. It's going to be different. So the question I have for you is how does Trinity move forward, not just next Sunday, but in the future? And I know I'm about to leave and wrapping up things today. I want to ask if you would indulge me one last time and do what our, my good friend Dave Knight always tells me that I do, and that's metal in your personal lives. Can I do that just one more time? Would that be, would that be okay? I mean, I'm leaving, so that you, you don't have to listen to anything I say, but I think it might be helpful for you. Here's how I want to meddle this morning. Everything you've heard about what's coming next is the short term. It's what's happening next Sunday, and it'll be happening for the next few Sundays, won't it? But there'll be things that are coming that you need to put into place because you know that those short-term steps are going to be leading you somewhere. Those short-term goals are going to be leading you in a direction. And what I want to talk about this morning and what we're going to learn from our series in Thrive is where are those steps leading you? And what is the part that you must and hear me well, church, must personally play in that move. You see, short-term goals are never the destination. Let me explain that. Let me explain what I mean. High-level achievers throughout history have one thing in common. They have never settled as short for short-term goals as the victories of life. As a matter of fact, they have long-term goals, and the highest-level achievers actually take that even further and have a lifetime goal. They have a purpose in life. They understand why they are here and what they need to do in order to accomplish why they are here. They don't just have short-term goals. Those are a means to an end. They don't just have long-term goals because those are longer means to an end. They have a lifetime goal. They have a purpose in their lives. And what that does for them is it, is it, let me try that again, is it allows us, 
it allows them to escape the tyranny of the moment, right? You have all of these things coming at you. Culture is changing more and more rapidly each and every decade. So if you don't have a lifetime goal, you will start to pursue things in every direction, not knowing where you should head. And what a lifetime goal does is allow you to know what to say yes to and what to say no to in order to accomplish that goal. To run in every direction is to go nowhere. Does that make sense? As this church sets short-term goals, I want you to know that those are to help determine what the long-term goal is. But even that's not enough. This church needs to know what the lifetime goal is. And you thought change was hard. How about choosing a lifetime goal? Is that something you could do in the next 25 minutes? Whew, that's hard. To know what your lifetime goal is is not easy for anyone. But it is essential, especially for the follower of Jesus Christ, to do this and to think of their lifetime goal in a different way than everyone else in the world. Everyone has common goals in life. Things like, how can I get a good paying job? How can I have a car I enjoy to drive, a home I enjoy to live in? Uh, how can I find a good life partner to spend my life with? How can I raise my family? How can I retire affordably and end up doing the things I want to do versus doing the things that I have to do? In those goals, what is the common thread over all of those things? They're self-centered. And that's not wrong to think of those things. What are some things that are good for me? But as a Christian, the Bible never lets any person set fully selfish life goals. We have a different priority. And that's what we've been learning through this entire series in the book of Philippians that we've been calling Thrive, right? We learned just a few weeks ago that if we are Christ-like, if we have learned anything from the Apostle Paul, if we've learned anything from the pastors that we've had throughout all of our time in church as a Christian, one of the things we must do is put the interests of others before our own. And the way that we do that, we learned, is to give others what they need even if we need it too. And we talked about the challenge of that, didn't we? The challenge of that is deciding, well, what is it that people need? And so we need an expert to tell us. And God, thankfully, because he loves us so much, is more than willing to tell us exactly what we need and what other people need. That starts with putting God's ambitions above our own. If we're going to put other people's interests above our own, that starts with making sure that God's interests, God's ambitions are above our own because he knows what we need and what others need the most as well and he knows we need salvation but we're to do something because we are saved not to earn our salvation not to prove we are saved but we are to do something because we are saved our life purpose our life goal shifts and we learned that last week didn't we just recap Ephesians 2:10 says for we are God's 
handiwork, were his trophies on his mantle, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has a goal for this church. He has a lifetime goal for the lifetime of this church. And he has a lifetime goal for you to play a part in that lifetime goal of this church. Isn't that an amazing privilege? That the God who could have judged you because of sin instead offers salvation and says, no, I don't just want to, you know, see you when you get here, good luck, says, actually, I want to give you something that could change eternal destinies forever, and I'd love for you to commit your life to it. What a privilege. How does this happen? How is it that we know what good works we are to do? Well, God just doesn't leave us there either. He doesn't say, and figure it out on your own. He actually gives us the tools to do it. We uh, know from another letter that Paul wrote to a church uh, in the city of Corinth. We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that this is true. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them, and to each one, each person, each Christian, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, what does that mean? That means that by the time, when, at the time when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit says, I know for the rest of your life where you will be. And I am going to give you a gift, a spiritual gift, that will allow you to do the work in the community of God and in the community that is lost and needs God. And it will help them grow and it will help you grow. In other words, the gift that you have been given when you become a Christian is directly linked to the work that God wants you to accomplish. That also means that at any time, each local body of believers, Trinity Alliance Church at this moment in time, has every gift necessary to thrive. That's amazing. There is a link to how you are gifted to how God wants you to work for Him. And each church has exactly what it needs to thrive. That's what it means to commit to a local church, not just attend a local church, but to offer yourself to that church. You are directly linked to the good works of this church. You are directly linked to her capacity to thrive. And that means that the gifts that you have and the work that God has called you to do must shape the long-term goals of Trinity Alliance Church. That's why I'm excited for what the board is doing with forums starting next month to get people together. And you're starting a potato bar, a baked potato bar. Like, I left one week too, too early. I should have stuck around for one more week as not the pastor, but just someone who came as a guest. And, hey, look, I'll stay for baked potatoes. That's fantastic. Like, that's awesome. 
Come to that, but come to that prepared. And what I mean by that is don't come hungry, although that's probably true. What I mean is come having prayed for what's next for the church so that you can listen to what the board is hearing and hearing from the Lord and you can affirm or agree or challenge or question or interact with and engage with what's next for Trinity. Here's the point of all that. It is absolutely critical that you discover the work God has for you to do. You have to know your lifetime goal as a Christian. You must do this. Now, don't take my word for it. Let me show you how I know this to be true. If you've got a Bible with you, turn with me in them to the last part that we'll be looking at together in the book of Philippians. Yes, the letter continues, but um, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, because there's something that happens when we decide this is what my lifetime goal is because this is how I'm gifted and we use that in a particular way. This is how churches start to thrive. Let me show you. 3 verse 12 says this. Not that I have already obtained all this. And all this being all the things that Paul wants about being in a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that we talked about last week. Not that I have already obtained all this. Or I have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold of me, for which Jesus, Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think different, differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in, in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. You have to help this church thrive. You get to help this church thrive. 
and you will help this church thrive. You will help other Christians thrive when you singularly build your life, build your life to earn the reward Jesus has for you. That means you've got to know how to do that, which means you need to know how you have been gifted so that you can start to determine what is your part to play in order for the common good of the church to be realized. Using your gifts and accomplishing the work that God has for you and living your life, making that your lifetime goal will give you a reward in eternity because there's a prize for those who do this. And Paul uses the metaphor of pretend it's a contest. Who wins the prize? The person who comes in first. The person who is the best. The most valuable player on the team is awarded something. And not everyone has a part to play on the team, but play in such a way to be the most valuable player, the best player for your team. That's what he's saying. Using your gifts to know and accomplish God's work is what demonstrates your faith in Jesus Christ and what gives you the opportunity to do so and to love others sacrificially when you build your life around this. Paul is discouraged that there are those in the church who live a Jesus and life, who say, I'll, I'll have a little bit of Jesus like it's a buffet and I'll have a little bit of Jesus and oh, I, wanna, I want some wealth for myself and I, I want to have this and I want to have this and I'll just put it all together on my plate and I'll have all of it. And Paul says that's a person who's thinking of earthly things. And what does that mean? It means they're thinking too small and they're thinking too short term. How long will you be able to have earthly things? as long as you live. How long will you actually live on this earth is not the question. How long you will actually live is a totally different statement because there's this life and the next. So what are you going to focus on? That's the challenge I would have for you. This is the thing that keeps people faithful when they see people sacrificing and serving time and energy and resources using their gifts for the benefit of others. That's what encourages other people to thrive. That's what encourages other people to follow the example of people like Paul, of people like you. When you say, I know I'm busy. I know I've got other things to do. I know this frightens me terribly, and I don't care. I want to do everything I can to make sure that I'm accomplishing my life goal. My life goal. And to do that, you need to know how you're gifted and how God wants to use you in this season of life. It's interesting that um, no one likes a self-centered person, right? Who only lives for themselves. Are there self-centered people in church? Are there self-centered 
people in ministry, self-centered pastors who only live for themselves? Are there self-centered leaders who try to build their own kingdom? Are there self-centered Christians? I think one of the things that if you're not sure whether what Paul is saying correct, I'll go to someone who we might all agree with, and that being Jesus, just to remind ourselves that He is to be our ultimate allegiance. He is to be our life goal. To be used by Him, to be transformed, to be like Him is our life's purpose. This is why He said in Luke 14 these words, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whew. Those are hard words as we value our family. But even the earthly relationships that we love the most are not to take the place of the one who loves us the most. There will be great sacrifice. Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't pretend that just a little bit counts. It's all of us and all of me. That's what it takes to thrive spiritually as a church, as a Christian. Put the ambitions of others above your own to give others what they need even when you need it too, to trust that God knows what you need and what they need and He's going to take care of those things and committing every fiber of your being. That's your work, your degrees, your family. And putting it all on an altar. And you know what an altar is, right? An altar is not a nice place where you put decorative things to look at. An altar is symbolic of a place where a sacrifice would be made. You are to put everything on that altar, including your own very life. There are times I think we are tempted, I know I am tempted, to do things out of impure motives. There are times when I wonder, wait, what's in it for me? Where's my piece of the pie? Where's my reward now? And there's sometimes, if you're like me, you think, wonder if the sacrifice God is calling you to is too great. I think what this passage is telling us is that whenever we are in those moments where we are wondering what's in it for us, what do we gain from this, and when we're wondering if God is calling us to too much sacrifice, I think we need to do something and run that feeling through a filter. And the filter is this. 
Am I thinking too short-term in what I want in life? Am I thinking too short-term for what I want in life? As we already said, we know our lives are 70, 80, maybe more years if all goes well. And then what? You will spend eternity somewhere. What are you investing in? Something that won't last or something that will? I think you've got to run those feelings, run that question of is there something for me through the filter of am I, is it possible I'm thinking too short term and re-engaging that long-term life view because you have an eternal view. I mean, think back to what we just read in Revelations 3 verses 18 through 20. There are people who feel like and act like they can have Jesus and, and I can have a little bit of this and a little bit of this, and I can have all these comforts and sacrifices and or no sacrifices at all, and I can just live for the moment and I can put my mind on these earthly things. And what Paul is saying is that's not where your citizenship is. You know what it's like to be a foreigner in a different country? You ever visited a different country? Absolutely. You know that things are different there and after a while you can't wait to get home. Remember that your home as a Christian is not here. So make sure that you're investing for what's coming, not what's happening. Don't settle for earthly success, in other words. Have that long-term view that will sacrifice now and have eternal heavenly success both later and forever. So here's my challenge to you. As we go, we go because God has called us. We are comfortable here. We know the culture, we know the city, We know the challenges, and we're moving to a place where we know none of that. Um, It's a new city, new state, new culture, new district, new church, new relationships, new everything. Why would we do that? Why would I say to my wife, honey, you may need to find another job? God said, not yet. We're praising him for that, but I've said that before, and she's had to do it. Why would I do that to her? Why would I tell my son, who's committed to school an hour away, that now we're going to be five hours away? Why would I do that? Why would I delay his plans? Because God has said go. And while we are comfortable here, that's the short term. And the change will be hard. But the change will be worth it. If we as a family, if I as a follower of Jesus Christ keep the lifetime goal at the forefront of how we live and why we do what we do and why I do what I do. My lifetime goal, I have it written down somewhere um, And it's essentially this, 
I want to help people find out how God has wired them, how God has gifted them, and help them fully develop to be everything that God's called them to be. My whole purpose in life is to develop leaders. That's why I do what I do. And God has said they need some leaders in Frederick. And we have said okay. Because of what's coming. I value my wife, I value my son deeply. And the best way that I can value them is to offer my life not to them, but to my Savior. And trust that He loves them more than I ever can. It's not your life. It's His. It's not your church. It's His. He has given you everything you need to do the work that He has planned for you. My encouragement to you on this final day is to keep your eye on the prize. That's not the short-term goal. That's not the long-term goal. That's the lifetime goal. That's the eternal goal. Make that your target. Use that to set your priorities of what you will do and what you won't do. Not just as a church, but as individuals. Not just as leaders, but as individuals. Make your life goal help you determine your short-term and long-term goals. And make the choice to say, I'm going to keep my eye on the prize. I know where my reward is. I know where my citizenship is. It's not my life. It's his. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you don't, here's a way that you can determine what your spiritual gifts are. Experiment. Church is the greatest Petri dish that you could ever come to, and no one will ever complain that you did something. Well, no, I take that back. People will enjoy that you said, I don't know, but I'm willing to try. And I can tell you, I've left a few churches in my time, and I've been part of churches that didn't have senior pastors or senior leadership for a period of time in helping them transition. One of the best things that you can do as a church, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, if an announcement is made that, hey, we're doing this, I'm gonna si- we need sign-ups to do that, or we need volunteers to do this, we're going to try and accomplish this, even if you're not sure of what that actually means, just step up and say, I'll try. I don't know if it'll work, but I'll try. Start to experiment. Serve for a little bit in a place where you aren't sure you're super comfortable in. And see what happens. Sign up for evangelism things. Sign up for outreach things. Sign up for kids things. Sign up for seniors events. Sign up for the things that you're asked to do. And as you sign up for those things, keep a sheet of paper in a journal or on your phone and just ask this question. Do I feel drained or energized from what just happened? Now, all ministry is tiring, no question. I feel energized because right now I'm practicing uh, my spiritual gift. But I'm going to go home and sleep at about 12.01. (laughs) 
because it was been a long day and it's been a long weekend it's been a long week and I'm physically exhausted but so what I mean by drained or energized is is your mind still racing from possibilities do you feel encouraged and inspired even though you're physically exhausted that's an indication you may have hit a spiritual gift so take a risk try something if you're only willing to do what you think you'll succeed in you never actually act on your spiritual gift and discover how God wants you to serve him in these days and I will also say this on occasion God will give gifts for a season they won't be something that's permanent they'll be for a moment in time I believe that just from experience I love it when people who aren't sure even though they know what their spiritual gifts are say I'm willing to help for a season I'm willing to step in and help for a moment and then God all of a sudden activates something and and they start to grow from uh, in their own service and the church starts to grow from their own service you still have to keep your eye on that lifetime goal but you often learn of new ways to apply your gifts when you don't say I'm only going to do the things that I think I'll succeed in or the things that I think are easy and I have time for after all there's sacrifice involved so be ready to make that sacrifice and then finally whether you know your gifts or you don't know your spiritual gifts and you start to experiment and step up and sacrifice I just want you to know that if you still need confirmation people will give you feedback they will help you know and it's up to you to separate the wheat from the chaff so to speak but in my experience someone will say things like you know you really helped me you really helped me strengthen my faith you helped me see what God was doing in my situation and circumstances thank you that could be a confirmation that you are operating where God wants you to operate at this time Keep your eye on the prize. Leaders, those who the board will ask to step up and serve, keep your eye on the prize. That's not the short-term goals. Think beyond those things. Not the long-term goals. Think beyond those things, the things that happen in the next six months to a year, and think towards the lifetime goal that God has put you here for find out what that is and live with a singular purpose for that good work that God has given you to do begin to pursue God's work with a passion and focus like never before because it's not your life it's his the reward that is waiting for those in heaven are not just those who slip in but those who have said as for me and my house we will serve the Lord no matter the risk no matter the sacrifice no matter the cost because you know why God put you here And whatever that takes, wherever that takes you, 
Trinity family, let me tell you, you'll be in the best of hands. Not because you have orchestrated how God will cause you to thrive, but you are in His hands, causing you to grow and mature in ways that you never saw possible. Keep your eye on the prize, church. And we'll see you at the finish line. Let me pray for you. Father, I am so humbled for the way that you have gifted each and every one of us. It doesn't take degrees. It takes willingness. A willingness to do everything we can to discover our life goal that you have given us to do, the good work that you've given us to do, the way you've gifted us to do it, and then doing everything we can, making that our singular focus in life to flourish in that way, to take risks, to step out of our comfort zone, And keeping our eye on the prize. Lord, I pray for your blessing for the next season for Trinity Alliance Church. I pray for her leaders, for her family, that you would raise each one of them up and make it abundantly clear how you have gifted them and how you want to use them in this season. I pray that they would be a bold people who don't say no because they're nervous or because it's unknown or because it's uncertain. But instead they say yes as they investigate their life goal and as they live out their life goal so that they and their church family and this community can thrive because they have pressed on for the prize that is awaiting them. Lord, I pray for your wisdom for them as they set short-term goals, keeping their lifetime goal in mind so that they can become a church, the church that you want them to be. They're not there yet, just like Paul said he wasn't there yet. My family and I aren't there yet, just like Paul said he's not there yet. But we want to be. And so forgetting what is behind and striving towards what is ahead, we cast everything aside to live in such a way to Earn the prize that awaits us. We surrender ourselves to you. This is your church. We are your people. Help us to set our eyes 
on the prize. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.